welcome to our second episode of our podcast tech talks and uh, today's topic is what is a programming language so let's start the obvious question on what a programming language is to our host hey hi um yeah so in in to put it in layman terms right so programming language is a way of you as a person telling a hard way to do something okay okay so you can um let's assume you can tell a child right go and come here okay mm-hmm. and the child just goes and comes here right so mm-hmm. you just gave an instruction and child understood and and for that there is a communication channel you either show a finger he'll realize that okay he has to go and come back or uh, you made a sign language saying like go and come back or you can tell him in the language that he understands uh, a communication language right so in the same way you have a hardware you have a piece of hardware and you wanted to make use of that piece of hardware to do something whether it's useful or not secondary thing right but basically if you want a piece of hardware to do something the easiest way for us as a uh, 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 as like software developers or a, or a or a third third party citizens right a easiest way to make hardware do something is programming language uh, why i mentioned easiest way is because uh, as the history uh, if we just go back into the history right you would see the feasibility of making use of hardware to do things right would get more complex it's not like today i you just sit down and just write uh, a print hello world right and you would see something on the console that's not how it was as you go like 50 years 60 years 70 years back right the things are a little bit more complex um uh, they even get to a level where you have to use hardware programming to actually do something with the hardware okay so the hardware programming is more or less like uh, putting up multiple transistors putting up multiple capacitors in such a way and just on a signal right and then you can make a, 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 a device blink for every one second right it's a programming that you do with the hardware right it's not really a programming way and and then yes and then an assembly uh, programming where uh, you do understand you do okay to put it in simple terms again an assembly programming is something like hardware understands few of the operations not everything they just know how to do add they just know how to do sub they just know few of the instructions and we call that instruction set right every hardware comes with possible instruction sets and uh, the instruction sets uh, uh, are something which are hard coded in the hardware so now by using these instruction sets which are uh, created by logic gates and and other things which will be a, a complete different direction to understand but just to come back again uh, uh programming is a simple way of teaching hardware to do things so yeah. do you think understanding the fundamentals of computer science is important in understanding a programming language uh sure uh, to some extent it is but uh, it's not true all the time okay. we do uh, we do have a use case or we do have a complete stream where you actually use programming language to create new things but you don't really get a chance to understand the internals of the computer as such yeah. right you don't need to know let's say virtual memory to understand that uh, 
oh when i am uh, downloading a big file right uh, my code might not work right you don't really have to think that or sometimes oh when i'm printing something to the console it might not work right we don't we just don't think that we just say like okay i printed it shall print right we don't think like uh, how many to put it again like uh, in a question questionary format right uh, uh, people really don't need to understand how many milliseconds would it take to show something on the screen when they type print because for to answer that question you need to understand everything right you need to understand data bus instruction bus how does the cpu fetches the instruction from the ram uh, how does it gives it to the kernel uh, which is the actual one who can actually speak with the hardware again uh, there are a lot of internals but i'm just trying to give a high level picture here uh, the cpu just tells the kernel and kernel is the one who interacts with the hardware right so during all this flow how many milliseconds or how many nanoseconds would it take right we don't really understand all we do is I, you just do print and you just expect it to show up, right? You do a uh, API call, uh, again, API call uh, for, for to make it easier. You're calling a function which is not inside your laptop, somewhere sitting somewhere in the uh, Australia or US, right? You're just calling that. That's called API, to put it in again, simple terms. Um, then you don't really expect, uh, oh, my network drivers are working or not, or did I open the socket properly or not, did I close the socket properly or, or not, right? All you do is like, okay, you just call the function, you just expect a response, whether it's a failure response, success response, uh, uh, that's that's all the users usually care, right? They don't really need to go to the deep of computer science to really do the uh, programming these days. So I have one thing in my head, like I need to set up a website for myself, so what can anyone uh, think when they think of setting up a website? Like what pro programming language that they need to choose that uh, their task can be completed? So what are the steps that they need to take to choose the best programming language for their task? Sure. See, the very first thing that anyone has to do is like find the compatible language. Okay. Uh, because... Uh, there is a possibility you like C, but uh, you can't really build a web, web website with it. Again, when I say you can't really build the easiest way of building it, right? To be honest, you can build a web browser, maybe website even with an assembly, right? It's still a possibility. But the only thing is uh, how feasible it is, how, because your problem statement is creating a website, not really creating a particular language, right? You want it to be done as much faster as possible, right? So you first have to like met that criteria. What are all the possible languages? Then you look at uh, your product requirements as such, as in, is it a static website or is it a dynamic website? Are you going to update things very regularly or are you going to be something like you just put it and maybe update once in a uh, year or, or six months or something? That's a choice again, uh, uh, along with this, there could be other product requirements as such. Let's say uh, you want to make sure your, uh, your 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 website loads faster than in, in, anyone else, right? You want it to have that as your uh, MVP. You want it to have that as your selling point, right? So you can extend. You can just extend all the product features. And then again, let's assume you just create a small uh, uh, table, okay? You just put all the languages that you know, which are all compatible, then you tick them which are all uh, matching your product features, you just tick them or give them rating, saying like, oh, uh, language called X is uh, a 0.5% in 0.5 uh, in terms of 
performance, 0.4 in terms of security, right? Because there is a security concerns. You don't want your uh, code to to be hackable, to put it in a um, uh, good terms, right? You don't want it to be hackable. And there are like a lot of other product requirements usually pick, usually think. Definitely the third requirement would be something more or less like uh, what is the f uh, future of that language that you're picking? Okay. Is it something really um, um, doing was, what is it saying or is just a, a sham, right? Yeah. Or is it just a sham, right? And, and, and like this, you can continue in terms of features uh, and then you might find a few languages. Then you would notice some of the frameworks which are helpful to easily build uh, a website, right? And you can extend the same ideology to any kind of product, not just websites. So suppose if I'm buying a phone or a laptop, uh, we'll see for how much RAM it is, what are the cameras and what is the OS or the brand that it is backing up. So these are all the things that we see while we are buying a phone. So in that context, uh, what we should understand while approaching a programming language? Yeah, definitely. It's a very good question. Uh, I feel there is like two sides of understanding. One, I, I would like to call it a hardware side of understanding. Another, I would like to call a software side of understanding. Okay. Uh, to be honest, majority of the focus happens on the software side of understanding a language, uh, which would be more or less like uh, how to write the code, uh, what is the right way of writing the code, what is the pattern, what are the patterns you can use to write a code in a better way, um, 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 like what are all the libraries that are available, what are all the frameworks that are available, how fast can I write this code, how fast can it run, these are all software side of programming, right, which most probably uh, everyone would think uh, not really a uh, uh, unknown side of it, but when it comes to hardware side of understanding programming, it was not very much uh, into the people. Not many people really shows interest on understanding it, uh, which are more or less like, uh, how does the parser of this language work? How does the tokenizer of this language work? Yeah, how does the intermediate code representation of this language was there? What What kind of optimizations does this language compiler do while it's compiling the code? How does it add the other libraries, linkers, loaders? Okay. Is the, what is the intermediate framework it uses to generate my assembly language? Does it, if I have one line of code in my uh, language, how many instructions does it really generate, right? Because you you think, okay, I wrote a very good uh, algorithm, which is O of 1 or O of N, right? Mm -hmm. But the moment it goes to instructions and the instructions which are generated are 100, right? Even though in your mind, it's so efficient, it's not efficient on the hardware. And also sometimes it's like not, Again, not many people need to know this because it's not like always you get a specific hardware, right? Some people do work on a specific hardware, but they do get onto the hardware side of understanding a programming, right? So I would really suggest everyone to also start focusing on the hardware side of programming. Try to understand the optimizations the language does. Try to understand the steps that compiler really does. And along with that, also try to understand what makes this language different. So for, just to give an example, right? Rust is a programming language which doesn't have a garbage collector, right? For me, that's something, uh, 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 a selling point, right? For me, when I, when I when someone tells me, okay, why do you have to use a Rust? I can say not because it doesn't have a garbage collector. Then you can ask me, okay, okay, it doesn't have garbage collector. How is, how is it going to be helpful? I know it's going to be faster. 
Why do I know it's going to be faster? Because I understood some part of the hardware side of programming. I do understand what actually happens with the garbage collector. How does it affect your performance of your code, right? Which we don't usually talk when we are writing programming uh, questions and all. We just take care only about the uh, asymptotic notation of complexities, right? But that's not true as you enter into the industry or as you enter into the hardware side of understanding programming, right? That's no more true. Uh, the next question I'm going to ask is like uh, most of us in our country know cricket. We play cricket, but only 11 players make it to the World Cup team or any team. So what we understand is we know the theoretical part of cricket, but only some only practice and make it to the team. So how can mm -hmm. we balance in terms of uh, programming language? We need to know the theory as well. And we need mm -hmm. to know the practical side as well. So what is the balance equation on this both uh, in terms of programming language learning? Sure. I, I think in this analogy with, with respect to programming, it's kind of vice versa. Mm -hmm. uh, we have only 11 people uh, who knows the theory, yeah. but we have thousands of people or the crore as you compared with the Indian population, uh, uh, 140 crore people of uh, um, um, people know how to do practicals right they just know how to uh, uh, write code right so i think the analogy is kind of uh, uh, vice versa here but but i think see to some extent right um, uh, this this is working yeah. because you have to ask what is your end goal right let's say your end goal is to build a product or your end goal is to work for a company right definitely it's working you can see the scale right yeah. and and why is it working? Because see, think again, think like this, right? Um, how many people does really need to understand the internals of the language, right? Maybe the people who are working um, um, uh, on a specific hardware, maybe the people who likes to build something new, or maybe the people who had a experience with the current language and they saw something was wrong fundamentally and they wanted to create something new. That, that group, right, only comes with experience or more or less like, uh, has nothing to do sometimes it has nothing to do with uh, programming language or the or the job or the general vision of people right okay. so i think there is a very big dis detachment here of what kind of mindset you should have to be the theoretical person versus what is the reality right theoretical is little far from the reality and uh, it usually happens with a uh, uh, research fund by companies, research fund by some unknown uh, uh, people at at higher level, or or research fund by colleges, PhD thesis and all right. Most probably the projects that you are talking about, that eleven people in compute in 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 programming language, has to be funded, and they has to be like very clear on what they are building. Other on the other side, the 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 large population doesn't really need to know what they're building on the day zero. Mm -hmm. They just build something. They'll reiterate. They'll find a bug. They'll fix it. They'll reiterate. Add a new feature. Find a bug. Fix it. They'll reiterate. Right. Mm -hmm. So there is a completely two different cycles happens here. So I think uh, with Gen AI and other other kind of things, right? Maybe more people might be interested towards moving these kind of things, which will have a very small um, uh, maybe it's a very small amount of work in terms of the impact that could, it could have in the have, it could have in the early days, but uh, 
but it'll it'll take huge amount of your time it'll take huge amount of your understanding it'll take huge amount of your vision it'll take huge amount of pattern matching things right mm-hmm. because it's not like uh, you can ask a genai to maybe like create a, a programming language without garbage collector yeah it can but for us to understand with the hardware with other things with with how the people um, uh, comfortably likes to write the code right creating a language would have a very very uh, different impact uh, on at least on the today's basis okay so if suppose like some students are more well versed in python and uh, some software professional is well versed in java and some are well versed in javascript for the front end and everything so how can they approach new programming language if their company demands or they need to enhance themselves in their personal learning so how can they approach a new programming language or learn a new programming language leaving the programming things that uh, they have learned from their previous programming language and the syntax flow yeah yeah most of the times you don't usually leave things okay um, but majorly you leave the syntax part of it again uh, coming back to that hardware side and the software side of the programming right in software side you would replace it with few other things how how does the imports will work how does a for defining a function works how do i define a variable again it's not it it won't be so much different it will be only 10 15 questions you have to ask in terms of syntax right mm-hmm. like that uh, in terms of frameworks or in terms of libraries you just have to ask some 10 questions okay what is the basic library to create a, a, a rest api application what is the library to do this what if the library to do that right and then on the other side there is a hardware side of programming right where you have to ask questions like uh, okay what kind of garbage collector is this using is it using mark sweep or is it using generational or is it or doesn't it have any uh, garbage collector what kind of code optimizations does it do does it do inlining does it do specialized um, does it do other kind of code optimizations right on top of that something like okay how does it generate the instructions what is its process um, um does it have any intermediate representation does it have an extensibility uh, what kind of parsers do they have what is their parser looks like mm-hmm. to even put it in another words what is their grammar looks like right we do understand grammar yeah. at least in general sense what is a programming language gra- grammar looks like right so i feel replacing the software side of programming is not really a complex problem yeah. right yeah. you just need to understand few of the things and you take the same concepts you write some code in uh, c you take the same problem solving concepts and you just put it there maybe let's say in c you have used a pointer but when you comes to java you don't have to you don't have to have a, anything called pointer right why because um now let's say the 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 linked list or uh, the something else have to be implemented in objects format objects and classes format right so only those things are changing again that i will call still call it as a software side because it 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 doesn't really talk about uh, what is pointer how does it work internally and all but it majorly talks about oh i have a pointer to solve this problem statement here i have an object to solve it right so along with these two there is this always there is this uh, top level uh, differentiator which is like let's say when you move from c to um, c++ to java right they say it's an object oriented programming language yeah so here it uh, object oriented programming language understanding that right you don't really have to start coding it up yeah. it's a concepts right they are just talking about a different way of writing code even though it's majorly falls on the software side of programming 
but i wanted to highlight it outside because it, it it's more or less like um uh, helps you to understand things in a different way it more or less like helps you to write the code in a different way in this language right so i'll say something like you understand the differentiator first and then you understand the software side of the programming what is the differences and then you understand the hardware side of differences right so and and to be honest you don't really need to go to the hardware level uh, most of the time and you can still able to work in the new language and uh, just to give a, 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 a like last uh, touch for it uh, so there is a concept called transpilers which you can actually use to translate one language into another language so if you are really uh, if you are really like a person no no i wanted to write in only one language but my company wants me to write in another language right then why don't you build a transpiler which will take your language and converts it into that target language good idea uh, okay so i want to learn more about this transpiler concept that you said so what is a transpiler actually so does it convert every programming language into whatever programming language to be like that we deserve or in, is it in the starting stages of uh, the design where only it is limited to some of the programming languages or do we need to uh, deep dive into more of this transpiler? Uh, yeah, again, transpiler is more or less like a concept, like how okay. compiler is there. Okay. It's, it's more or less like a concept and it just usually suggests you uh, some patterns of doing it, but it's it, it, it itself is not a framework or a language or okay. a, a, sol a direct right away solution. You just can take it and convert between languages, right? Uh, but usually it goes in this way, right? You take a source language, okay? You do understand its parsers, you do understand its hardware side of the programming language, and you give it to your uh, another code, okay. which knows how to convert the AST of left side program, which is a source program, into the AST of the right side program, which is your destination program. So you can say transpiler is something which which can convert an AST to another AST. Okay. So transpiler is simply a tree conversion. Okay. You have one tree, you just have to convert to another tree. That's it. Okay. So my next question would be like, as we have established before, that learning a concept is more important than learning a programming language. How important is it learning the basic algorithms or basic data structures that are there and converting them into the format of code? in any programming language. So how is it important? Sure. Uh, I always felt uh, uh, most, okay, this is, how, this is how I have always seen it, right? So when you talk about data structures or algorithms, right? Yeah. I felt they most probably take you into the company as in it will give you an easier path to crack an interview, so, right? So, not 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 to not to definitely not to 100 percent or definitely not to the level we see outside okay, okay. so because uh, as i said right not any not every company is creating a gen ai not every company has created a chat gpt to even put it in a better word not every company has created a, a transformer architecture right okay but every company is using the transformer architecture to, to build new things okay so not everyone has to work on the problem solving level few people can work on uh, uh, expanding of the problem solving as in 
you can expect someone to create a data structure you can expect someone to create a easier layer for you to not to deeply understand the data structure but you can still get the get the job then you can still start a company and you can still uh, uh, make that company a tri trillion dollar company right directionally that's possible at this moment right so, so if i so, have a solution for uh, the problem that i have uh, what you're saying is first solve that uh, problem and then uh -huh. get people who can uh, optimize on how solving that problem is is that yeah. what yeah. yeah yeah directionally it is um as i said earlier right how do you choose a programming language you usually have some product features right okay so let's say your 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 uh, your day zero statement is like i don't want my code to uh, take more than one second right okay see now you have put a strict, strict deadline on it now it's no no more just about the data structures uh, yeah. uh you know sometimes you use a list rather than a hash map but you're still able to get the job done in a better way why because uh, you understand how does the cpu works you understand how does the copy of the caching works you understand how does the parallelization in the cpu works you, you understand how the concurrency work you understand how the paging works you understand how the fragmentation of data works right with all these concepts you are able to write code which look which without this concept might look like oh this is not a performant code right mm. but when you run it that will be the performant code than than the one that's that's not right uh, so so to 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 put it in like general terms i feel 90% of the data structure or algorithm understanding takes you into the company 10% okay. of it would really have an impact whereas on the other side 10% of your understanding of computers or the internals or the or the or the or the basics right or the fundamentals would help you to get into the company but 90% of would make a make a change in the society right because that 90% of understanding of the computer only made homomorphic encryption transformers what not anything you talk which felt like a directionally taking us somewhere in the future right that yeah. happened because of 90% of understanding of computers not because you understand 90% of existing algorithms ex existing data structures right so i think i think if you put a graph that's how it's going to look like uh from your example like how companies decide on uh, what they need to use and optimize the code uh, do you think that companies are dependent on the programming languages that they are used because most of the legacy applications are built on java and they are still uh, like uh, doing all the bugs and uh, debugging everything in java instead of converting them into new programming languages is it important that converting applications into new programming languages helpful or uh, leaving them with the legacy applications and just providing maintenance to the code is more preferable yeah as i said right uh, in 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 how do you choose a programming language the one of the major thing is uh, you understanding the direction that the language is going towards right so as you said it's a programming language which was using in legacy application but is it like that language is not getting updated is it like the language is not getting let's say the capabilities of let's say gpu or is it like the language is not able to take the advantage of the new hardware see then directionally uh, it would make more sense for us to move to the new languages but one of the major concerns you would see was like when you are moving to new languages right you have to get your testing done so there is this lot of baggage lot of uh, 
many years experience right has to be sitting there while the conversion is happening it's not like uh, you have an allo world program and you can convert into python or something right you would have like huge code which is impacting the uh, uh, real lives in in daily in daily uh, life right so so yeah there are there are concerns in terms of security uh, in terms of uh, testing in terms of this baggage what could break when i change something right you don't know really you need yeah. to have a very good testing framework to make sure that your 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 movement happened very smoothly right another thing is like okay you move to the new language are are you sure that this language is something that can uh, work for another 10 years mm-hmm. uh, how did you make that bet did you understand the internals did you make that bet with a with a confidence or did you just read couple of blogs or uh, you just noticed oh, oh this language is hot this language is being used by everyone go and all let's pick it up that language right so directionally if you don't understand the basics if you don't understand the uh, if, if you don't understand this language from the first principles right which i would say the hardware side of the programming language most probably you would never stop you always feel like okay i have to transpile it to new language transpile it to new language right but but i think most of the times the companies don't do that uh, might be for the another reason that another reason is uh, as i said as i uh, said earlier the security testing the code baggage it brings the experience and uh, hiring new folks i think it's more or less like in the management side there are concerns but not really on the side of understand the basics and all but but it would be good if people also spend some time on uh, understanding these hardware side of programming language to make these decisions because it will really have a big impact okay, let's take a diversion from corporate or company side to an individual learning perspective so how can one evolve from learning the basics of programming language to building complex projects individually mm-hmm. and uh, just uh, become a maintainer of uh, any open source uh, project or anything how can they evolve from that beginner step to a project maintainer or a project uh uh like yeah got it again again i think on the top level you have two directions here one is uh, you have to get comfortable with the basics of the programming language okay. you have to understand again when i said understand basics it doesn't mean syntax it doesn't simply mean okay i know how to write a a code in python that means i understood the basics of python right you just need to understand the interpreter how is the interpreter of python working how does it do things how does it store a integer how does it store a float how does it store a string when i do a lookup in string how does it happen when i do a lookup in a list how does it happen all these concepts right you just have to understand on the other side you need to understand what is the easier way of maintainability of maintain maintainability of the code as in uh, to what level you have to modularize your code to what level you have to do that such that you can add new features very easily or you add a new feature it doesn't break something else somewhere in the code base right you added something in one file uh, but when you're testing some other file something is changing but which you felt by looking through the code that they are no, no more not at all linked right mm-hmm. it's like i changed a uh, uh, user image uh, but uh, my Uh, all the searchable images are changed to that image right i searched for apple and i around that time i changed my image it's not like all the apple images looks like me right yeah and to be honest to be even like it it feels silly but to be honest if you just 
search right you would find these kind of incidents which are funny uh, but uh, they took a lot of downtime uh, one of the major reason is simply because uh, the modularization is not to the right level and there is something called uh, i just want to use the word builder pattern but in general i want to talk about the way of writing code there is a way of writing code which can let you to solve some of the problems right which is maintainability composability extensibility and little little bit more on that side right but by just having these two directions and by just you realizing there are these two directions and whenever you're writing a even a one line of one piece of line of code right by putting a thought through these two uh, directions of the tree right you can actually able to write the line in a better way rather than thinking okay i'm writing it now i don't care uh, uh, how it's going to be uh, rewritten 10 years later right you know sorry, i have this i want to ask a question sorry for interrupting so do you think uh, in this context the art or the approach of learning a programming language has evolved in the past decade because uh, we seen most of the software industry booming in the last decade last 20 years we could say like two decades but in the last decade we saw the uh, increase in use of uh, hardware resources like aws and azure and uh, more startups have evolved even in india the digital marketing side has evolved a lot with the implementation of upi and the new banking systems of otp and everything do you think the approach of learning has improved significantly in the last decade and uh, yeah. uh, the trajectory is going towards a stagnant state like uh, we had iphone 1 iphone 2 and it kept on evolving but uh, the approach and the programming languages like in the same way the approach and the programming languages have seen a boom but i think it has uh, become a stagnant state same as the innovation in the mobile space so what is your view on that uh i am not fully sure on the uh, saturation point at this moment because i feel it's still like lot of room is there but uh, but yeah see definitely the software has become so cheap right yeah. now uh, you writing a piece of line and just testing it and just changing it again testing it changing it testing it testing it in a very big environment hundreds of users thousands of users uh, doing a staggered releases see since a lot of new things come up and which made the software become cheaper right mm-hmm. that this this evolution happened very very rapidly so yeah. let's take for example you have kubernetes right yeah which made people deploy things very much faster which made things which made people to test things much faster there is a concept of uh, there is a concept of uh, traffic splitting you can deploy two versions of the same code base or the old version and the new version and you can send only 1% of the traffic to the new version but still 99% to the old version right kind in of the early or a new concept it is a kind of load balancer but it, this is little bit more intelligent because you can do okay. at the api level uh, and it can maintain something called rate limiting it automatically can revert the traffic which is definitely there in load balancing uh, such as nginx or or other sorts yeah. of those guys but the but the problem is setting up these things were like more costlier setting up okay. maintaining this this configurations and these things were more 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 costlier right okay. and people are little skeptical they are they are like okay let's not do it every day maybe do it once in a week once in a month and all right but now with kubernetes and and other things like istio and other things come up right things have become little bit more cheaper trying out things become cheaper so when i said software become cheaper the whole pipeline has become cheaper right you can just try it out that, that that's simple okay so hence uh, 
uh, see when things were that cheap and when things were easier to evaluate right definitely mm-hmm. people would try it in different directions they don't follow a hard strict procedure someone has set up right oh you have to write like this only you have to do it like this only it has to go in this way only versus it's okay man just write on a different way that you felt okay if i write it in this way would it be any better just write out put it in prod nothing is going to go back go bad right only one percent of the people might get affected you'll just revert it right and it it's an auto reverted there's a feature called auto revert also right yeah. so action as a playground uh, trying out things easier software becoming cheap right are some yeah. of the things that 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 actually made this evolution happen faster and and why i said uh, it haven't reached the saturation point is because i do i do see uh, some gaps uh, in this process it's not like 100% well set uh, it's not really like uh, uh, uh you have a very good pipeline of uh, starting idea to letting it run in the prod and and automatically finding the anomalies automatically making the code change based on the errors that you got yeah, okay. and i think here a little bit of genai is going to come and and make people be even more better or 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 can do code reviews in even more better i think i think a, a whole set of uh, new a direction might open up with with new things are coming so i don't really think this is it's at the saturated saturated point but but i i do uh, agree with the point that it evaluated uh, in a very very exponential way in the last one or two decade uh, i want to learn more about this genai like the impact that it has on programming and uh, i saw an example where uh, one of the youtuber was sharing a code in python to uh, an llm like chat gpt and asking it to convert to another programming language so it is kind of becoming easy uh, like we have previously discovered uh, like we have previously discussed about transpilers so right. can llm be a transpiler or uh, can it tra- it is actually translating code from one programming language to another programming language and i think right. in future it will be more optimized and it will be giving more accurate uh, code in other programming languages So, do you think yeah. that its impact is significant in this uh, programming languages? Yeah, yeah, it will, it will definitely gonna be, and maybe in the next. Uh, I won't think it's gonna be way far. I think it's very, very nearby, and we will see it in very near future that a uh, lot of these new kind of programming would really pop up. To to put it to to put it in the transpilers term, right? Uh, the only concern today for me or or or, or some of uh, the people who are thinking about transpilers was like the determinism of the llm yeah right because okay there is a concept called temperature uh, there is a, a way for you to make the output deterministic but uh, but uh, when when you put something deterministic it might not predict in a right way and there are some concerns there right so it's not really a determ- deterministic way of uh, getting an answer and and to be also another concern is at this moment not it was not trained in a trained on huge set of code bases okay maybe chat gpt for sure because chat gpt is almost 1.3 trillion tokens yeah. uh, in a billion parameter trillion parameters is it right it it would and it scraped lot of data and it would definitely have to some extent uh, 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 used coding for the pre trained but but there is this another set of llms which are coming which are usually called code llms yeah uh, which was majorly open sourced by meta um and and there are other people like uh, salesforce 
and there are some of the big companies who have open source these models yeah i uh, think so you can studio is the program that where it's an open source program where we can uh, download these llms and uh, run them locally and you, like you can actually you can actually it's called hugging face uh, LLM uh but is the like the front end that uh, they are using for the hugging face one so that is one of the program that i saw yesterday sure but but you can't literally run it on your local laptop because you need a gpu yeah so you can use something like lab of google but but they don't i have think... a gpu so that's why i'm running them locally yeah. so for those who are listening and don't have a gpu run it on google yeah. lab and you can't really do it but you can do it like collab google gives you a, a good enough uh, a cpu and good enough memory ram i mean vram uh, so so yeah you can try out things but uh, but yeah i feel uh, i feel like at this moment uh, more ideas are going to come on here it's not just going to be something like uh, code llms they can even become more particular on saying like uh code translator llms um okay. or something like code summarize llms or something like code optimizer llms and and i think the the directionally is going to be so much but for that we need huge amount of data and the data also has to be uh, very well processed <coughs> and and if you if we don't make sure uh we have this good enough of data to Uh, train an LLM, right? It won't be of much use. So at this moment, I think uh, a big company like Meta or or Falcon or which is Tesla, by the way, or any of these big guys, right? Salesforce, they they have a lot of proprietary data. They have a lot of uh, cap. They have capability to run on a lot of G, uh, GPUs to to really pre-train on code more. and less on a an nlp because see we don't really expect uh, it to generate a shakespeare hamlet right we we expect it to write a code which is compilable because right now if you see uh, there are there are uh, scenarios i i've noticed when i ask something to chat gpt it gives a code which is not compilable at all yeah i have to make more changes on it and i do understand why because i do know that uh, the data that was uh, llm was trained the chat gpt was not so much of a code it's very very less and sometimes i ask in a programming language which where the knowledge about that language itself is not so much outside available right it's a very few people use it something like apl uh, or uh, uh, i don't know like some some of the languages right which not many people would, would would use it right and you ask for llm there are high level of chances it might not give you a 100% compilable code and we usually call it hallucination or 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 a bad bad response from a from an llm right so yeah directionally not only in the code not only in the code but uh, uh, in all streams of computing not only in the computing in all streams that usually people uh, uh, work right uh, i think llms would replace but but it's more or less like going to be a together work and and that level of replacement might take many more years but because because at this moment um the data is not big enough to just replace it with every problem statement just let it uh, answer you for every problem statement it's not feasible at this moment because it might not even see that data ever right so i think yes with with code gen and all you would find a programming buddy and uh, he will help you with some of the hurdles but uh, at the end you will you will like 
make the decisions and maybe you will finish it up we have a guest today with us so he has a, a question for you from one of his uh, programming days so i want him to take away and ask the question Uh, you are breaking. So, can you repeat the question again? Hello. I remember the timestamp. No, we can edit it off. Were you able to hear his question? Uh, no, no. I think he is having. Uh, yeah, we got him. Sorry, uh, can you give me, uh, can you give us some information on foreground function inference? Uh, were you asking about foreign function interface? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sorry, yeah. So, so basically, uh, a foreign function interface is just a way of letting one programming language call another programming language uh, for, for a particular problem statement, right? Let's say uh, C is very good with socket level programming, right? And you are uh, using some other programming language to do something, but you noticed your performance will be so good if you would have let this one piece of code, let it run in C, right? But rest all you still want it to be in your own programming language, right? You would like it, okay? And hence there is a, Conceptually, there is something called foreign function interface and it have an implementation in a different way. Sometimes they do share a memory. Sometimes uh, they don't share a memory, but they directly call the runtime of the uh, language. And there are other ways of implementing this, but but it on the top level, what it simply does is it lets you to call another function, which is in another language to get a job done, right? You know, exact like foreign function, interfaces are not new it's been there for many years and also i always feel api is in another foreign function interface you hmm. write code in java but you call like let's say you write code in javascript which is your website right but you call something in in your backend to do something right but that code was written in java right but you're still able to invoke that function from your laptop right from your javascript code it's still possible but but they are not that far in terms of FFI. So we usually say FFI is something like in the same problem statement for a small piece of code. You just wanted to give it to another runtime. Let it run in C and come back to you. Right. Um, okay. So would it would it create any kind of delay if you are communicating with um, other languages and you also have to control various aspects such as memory and runtime in another another languages as well. So. Yeah. You're not yeah. only managing one language, but also other languages as well. So how, yeah. as a software engineer, how would you uh, so maintain this problem? Sure. Generally, uh, this is this is not fully true if you're writing it in C or something, because because most of the languages do convert to C, not to the uh, Ansible C that you see, but but to some le level of C, then, then it goes to assembly, right? So they can okay. usually inject your, your C code there we usually call it linking or loader some sort of that way right so then you don't really have to worry about uh, any kind of overhead right in perform in, in performance but there are other kind of languages let's say uh, maybe java right 
not java sorry maybe javascript right there you can't really have a interoperability with another language uh, like this why because the first problem said the first reason is uh, javascript is a interpreter language there is nothing called compile right, right yeah. it has to take each and every statement it it it, it compiles right it doesn't know when to inject the language it doesn't know when to inject that other language right usually uh, javascript have a interoperability or the ffi with web assembly it's an another uh, uh, i don't want to call it a language but it's an another way of doing things in browser okay uh, as you have javascript to do things in browser there is a web assembly way to do things in browser but you want some small piece of your website to run with web assembly code right you can do it but it doesn't go in the way that we just explained it usually goes in a way of shared memory they just share a common memory and web assembly would would be looking at that memory and when a javascript wants to call web assembly it just writes to that memory and web assembly will realize that a signal came and it will pick that code and the instruction and the data and it runs it and again it puts it in an, another shared memory which was being listened by the javascript and it realizes okay it put the value now i know it's it's a value right so here definitely there will be a little bit of performance overhead but 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 again all these things would go away as you go into the deeper layers of hardware understanding right maybe on the top level it feels like oh that is a completely different runtime this is a completely different runtime there shall be some performance overhead but but as you go open up the layers and as you try to understand right you would see at some level uh, these two are no more different they both are same whether it's javascript or whether it's web assembly they might be same and your for, foreign function interface might have been implemented on that layer then you don't see any overhead right so i think that concludes today's uh, podcast of what programming languages are i think we have uh, leveraged a lot of knowledge on from you in this podcast so i think uh, we'll continue this on our next podcast episode thanks thanks everyone thanks so yeah